0: The
2: answer. And a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us. We get underway at eight minutes after the hour of nine on this Monday, the second morning, just the second morning of the month of March in the year of our Lord, 2020 Super Tuesday, just a day away. Super Tuesday is like a regular day, except it wears a cape. So it's a Super Tuesday tomorrow. And uh, yeah, the fight is on. Joe Biden lives to fight another day. His firewall in South Carolina held that was all Pete Buttigieg needed to see to say, well, I'm not going to be able to take the moderate votes. If Joe would have crumbled in South Carolina, maybe so. But since he is going to stay in and carry the moderate flag, if you will, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get out of the way. I've got no chance. I don't have the money. I don't have the ground game. I don't have the resources. So Pete Buttigieg out Mayor Pete, mighty, mighty Mayor Pete, who tried. As the faux Obama, the pseudo Obama, the pretend Obama, the Obama 2.0, trying to carry his protected class to uh, a bunch of guilt votes did not work. President Obama did it with the African American vote. If you criticize me, you just don't want a black president. Pete tried it. If you criticize me, you don't want a gay president. Didn't work this time around. Maybe the next time he's very young, he'll run again, and probably again. But Pete knew this time was not the time. So Biden is a factor after all. It's kind of funny. Last week, I talked about the killer bees. This is going to come down to Bernie or Bloomberg or Buttigieg. I called them the killer bees. And they're all killers in their own right for various reasons. But I neglected Biden intentionally and said he's so far down right now and his polls were just crumbling that Biden doesn't even make my list of killer bees to worry about. But then uh, South Carolina happened, and he is going to be a factor after all. It's going to come down to one of three guys. Here is the great diversity of the Democrat Party. The party that screams about inclusiveness, the party that demands minorities, people of color, people of various sexual orientations, women, <clears throat> their top three candidates in the, and they've had three and a half years now. Since Donald Trump won, they've had three and a half years to find the perfect candidate to take down Donald Trump, whom they hated so much they hoped they wouldn't even get. To the 2020 election, that they could impeach him and remove him well in advance, but they knew that if they couldn't impeach him and have him removed from office in a Republican controlled Senate, which it was and is, that they'd have to face him. And in all of their searching, here's the diversity they found three white guys between the ages of 77 and 78. That's it. <laughs> Bloomberg bernie and biden three white guys in their late 70s that's their idea of inclusion that's their idea of diversity i find it hysterical when they condemn and criticize the republicans whose primary field by the way back in 2016 was just i mean a who's who of various ethnicities and genders and and all kinds of things it was amazing But, uh, yeah, they've uh, narrowed it down, have the Democrats to three white guys between the ages of 77 and 78. So, good on you, Democrats. We're going to talk a lot more about the uh, Democrat primaries and about Super Tuesday tomorrow as we go throughout the program today. But I really want to begin with the hoax. The hoax that is the coronavirus. Ooh, careful there, right? Now, I say that intentionally because... That is what the left tried and has for the last three days, to convince America that Donald Trump called it. Donald Trump, of course, had a rally in South Carolina on Friday, and he was getting the troops fired up in advance, of course, of the Democrats' primary in South Carolina, again, that Joe Biden won. And rallying with the crew, the president talked about all of the different hoaxes that the mainstream media and the Democrat Party have engaged in in order to try to destroy him and his presidency. He talked about the impeachment hoax. He talked about the Russia hoax. And then he said this.
0: One of my people came up to me and said, Mr. President, they tried to beat you on Russia, Russia, Russia. That didn't work out too well. They couldn't do it. They tried the impeachment hoax. That was on a perfect conversation. They tried anything. They tried it over and over. They've been doing it since you got in. It's all turning. They lost. It's all turning. Think of it. Think of it. And this is their new hoax. But, you know, we did something that's been pretty amazing. We are 15 people in this massive country. And because of the fact that we went early, we went early. We could have had a lot more than that.
2: All right, so the president, in saying the words, this is their new hoax, the left tried to weaponize and tried to get Americans to believe that the president of the United States doesn't think that the coronavirus is a thing, that the president of the United States doesn't recognize it as a disease that is spreading throughout the world and that is a pandemic or a potential pandemic, certainly an epidemic, that the president is completely ignorant of it or denying it exists when he called it a hoax. This is what they tried to do for three days when it was very clear that the context was he was saying them, they being the Democrats in the mainstream media, which is very repetitive and redundant, but the Democrats in the mainstream media trying to say that Donald Trump is incapable of handling the coronavirus, is the hoax. That Donald Trump isn't taking it seriously, is the hoax. That Donald Trump will be responsible for deaths all over this country because of coronavirus. That's the hoax. And of course it is. And it got so bad that even CBS and Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes had to correct mini Mike Bloomberg, who tried to advance the hoax, And this is kind of a little bit, you know, tough to to wrap, but it's a hoax to suggest that President Trump was claiming a hoax. It's a hoax to suggest that the president thought that the entire existence of the virus is a hoax. Mini Mike tried to sell that on 60 Minutes, and Scott Pelley had to smack him down. How do you
3: view this emergency?
4: Um, I find it incomprehensible that the president would do something as inane as calling it a hoax, which he did last night in South Carolina. He, he said that the Democrats making so
3: much of it is a Democratic hoax, not uh, that the virus was a
4: hoax. This is up to the scientists
2: and the doctors. All right, It doesn't matter what the rest of what he said, because he got caught in his lie, and even 60 Minutes, even CBS, had to come out and say, no, that's not what he said. And it's true. What is true is that the Democrats are trying to perpetrate a hoax. The Democrats are and the mainstream media trying to say that the coronavirus is going to spread through the United States, not because it's an infectious disease that we do not have a vaccination for or a cure for, but it's going to spread throughout the United States the way it has through countries around the world because Donald Trump is incompetent. Okay. That's the hoax. And the Democrats are going to try to create as much fear and panic as possible with the hopes that it will reflect negatively on Donald Trump for the campaign this summer and, of course, for the election in November. Katie Pavlich uh, was speaking about this, uh, um, and I'm trying to find the forum here. Well, listen to Katie Pavlich, Fox News contributor.
4: President Trump using the accusing Democrats of using Yeah, the, there's your venue, Chris Chris Wallace
2: uh, and uh, Fox News Sunday with a panel.
4: Coronavirus as one more effort to bring him down, and Bernie Sanders returning fire. And we're back now with the panel. Katie, how do you think the Trump administration has responded to the coronavirus, and if it continues to tank the markets and hurt the economy fairly or not... Could it hurt the president's chances for re election?
3: It certainly has an impact on the campaign trail, but it's also how Democrats on the campaign trail respond to it that really matters. Can they portray themselves as better leaders on this issue than President Trump, who has been in the Brady briefing room twice in the last four days to talk about this issue? He has uh, President, or my Vice President Mike Pence, in charge of a team of people. He has a CDC director, the head of HHS, talking about these things on a daily basis, meeting. They're meeting again today. we may hear, hear again from the president. Um, and Democrats, too. The AP is out with a fact check today saying that Michael Bloomberg and Joe Biden have been making false statements about the way the president has handled this in terms of CDC funding. And so Democrats have to be careful here about not trying to stoke panic for political reasons. Too late.
2: Too late. Katie Pavlich is absolutely correct. Democrats, it's too late, though, to be careful about trying to not stoke panic for political reasons. They have already done it. They have been doing it since before we had the first death. We now have two deaths of coronavirus in the United States, by the way. A little breaking news this morning. The second one has been confirmed. But um, they have been doing this since before the first case was detected, let alone the first death in the United States. Chuck Schumer criticizing Donald Trump for not doing enough just about three weeks after tweeting that, how dare Donald Trump limit and restrict travel from China? It's just another way for him to shut out immigrants I and mean, this is exactly the definition of fear-mongering and yes, President Trump's word was accurate trying to perpetrate a hoax on the American people, trying to convince the American people that the president is not on top of this that he is just asleep at the switch that he doesn't have plans in place, etc and it's completely false also false by the way is the notion that this is going to be the new uh, Black Plague, that this is going to be as bad as the Spanish flu from 1918-1919, that this is going to wipe out a significant portion of the population. People are overreacting to coronavirus. The President's uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, Alex Azar, is going to talk about this in a moment. Uh, Dr. Drew Pinsky, on a Daily Beast uh, panel, Uh, laid it out, laid it out in extreme detail about how people are overreacting and Democrats are stoking that overreaction for political purposes. I'm going to let you hear from him. And a nationally recognized expert on infectious diseases like this is right here in Northeast Ohio, in Akron. And he laid it out in an interview with the Akron Beacon Journal over the weekend in a way that I think everybody needs to hear. So I'm going to share all of this information with you because we're going to have to talk about the disease aspect, the reality of its lethality, the reality of its mortality rate, if you will. We're going to have to talk about the reality about uh, how it compares to the flu, influenza, which is killing people by extraordinary numbers comparatively. And we're going to have to talk about, yes, the politics of it all. We shouldn't. As I've said many times in the last couple of weeks, if the Democrats cared at all about this country and they don't, they would have joined forces with the President, made a press conference, at a press conference saying, despite our differences with the President, we are committed to joining him and his administration and doing everything we can to protect the American people from this infectious disease spread. We are also going to communicate with the CDC. We are also going to communicate with Health and Human Services. We are also going to communicate with the World Health Organization just the way the President is, and as a team, we are going to come together for the, better, the, the uh, protection of the american people but instead demon rats are using this as an opportunity to score a few points so we're going to talk about all of that and i will welcome you too we are guest free in our number one so if you want to dial 216 and right back after this I'm going to continue on the coronavirus and the politics of the coronavirus here on AM 1420 The Answer. I see some people on hold already. I'm going to ask you to stay there for a minute. But I do want to let you listen to more of this. This is yesterday on Fox News Sunday. Uh, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar talking to Chris Wallace about the overreaction to the coronavirus that is being stoked in large part by politicizing uh, uh, American Democrats.
4: Preparedness activities. I want to pick up on that with you because clearly part of public health is psychology and in the last week we saw the Dow Jones go down 3500 points. We see people buying masks, hoarding food and other supplies. Obviously part of this is a reasonable response to an unknown threat. But do you see some elements of panic? Uh, I see elements of uncertainty. I was with uh, Secretary Mnuchin yesterday at our task force meeting at the White House and he was talking about the stock market reaction action and how so much of the market is just dealing with uncertainty and we're dealing with a novel virus and so there is uncertainty and i know that can make people feel uncomfortable and that's why we are trying to give the american people all the information we have when we have it so they don't think there's secret information they're not getting Uh, that at least helps we we say what uncertainties we've got and as we resolve them we try to clarify people are overreacting yes absolutely if people going out and buying face masks that's not necessary in fact We need those masks for the people who should be using them, which are healthcare workers taking care of patients.
2: How much sense does that make? All the sense in the world. But will the left take that advice and take that recommendation and that reality and and help expand that and spread that, tell people don't panic, don't go buying these masks? No, they're going to continue to try to stoke fear and panic and then spread fake news about the the, uh, the real facts of this disease. Dr. Drew Pinsky, uh, very well known, of course, for a long-time radio show. He's a media personality, but he's an American internist and an addiction medicine specialist as well. And he also was talking about the coronavirus and the media's role, the media's complicity. In scaring the bejesus out of people, despite the facts, the fact rather um, that comparatively, the coronavirus is not as big of a threat as influenza, not even close. And he wants the media to. Well, I'll just let him say it.
3: China is now accusing the U.S. of spreading fear after new travel restrictions were imposed, including a mandatory 14-day quarantine on returning U.S. citizens who have been in certain parts of China. So, Dr. Drew, are we overreacting? Yes. As-
4: yes. Mm. Yes. I'm hearing this
3: from doctors left and
4: right. Yes, it, and we are not overreacting. The press is overreacting, and it makes me furious. The press should not be reporting medical stories as though they know how to report it. We will, If we have an, a pandemic, I won't know how to tell that we're actually having a pandemic because everything is an emergency. Mm. People that are infectious disease specialists, the CDC, the epidemiologists, need to take this very seriously. The press needs to shut up mm. because you're more likely to die of influenza that's right, a, right, that's now, that's right now.
3: That's what right doctors now. are saying. However... The press
2: The press needs to just shut up. Report what the actual doctors are saying. Don't report constantly what the politicians are saying. Report the medical facts as they're being presented. And I've got a ton of those I'm going to share with you after the bottom of the hour news from an expert, a nationally recognized expert in infectious diseases who's right in Akron, who's got the answer to all of your questions about coronavirus. And, yes, he will try to bust some of the myths that are going around about that disease. I'll share that with you after the break. For now, though, let's go to Greater Cleveland and say good morning to Jane. Jane, you are on AM 1420. The answer, good morning. Uh, Go right ahead. This
5: is Jan. Oh, it's uh, Jane. Heard, I'm I,
2: sorry. I got Jane on the screen. I, My bad. I
5: heard uh, Nancy Pelosi's response, and of course, uh, you know her uh, scrambled, spiteful uh, brain mm-hmm. is chaotic. And and she she accused the president of being irresponsible and his chaotic response. How, with all that he has done, he can do nothing right. If he puts in in the, uh, you know, if he he doesn't want people from China not being uh held for the 14 days. Schumer says that's that's going overboard. And then you know, he can do nothing right well, yeah, even just the travel
2: just... restrictions, Schumer criticized him for, for restricting travel a month ago before it ever really left China, saying, we don't want to right. come in here. Oh, you're just anti-immigrant. You're trying to stop people from China from coming to this country. Then, of course, it gets here, and, and, and Schumer saying, how come you didn't do anything earlier? How come you're so be- behind in, in responding to this? So yeah, you're they, right. You can't do anything up. right.
5: Uh, Nancy Pelosi is full mm. of spite, and she... Uh, she should be thrown out of out of office for the way she behaves, and she's getting nuttier all the time. She uh, is the uh, spiteful ripper. That is no. no she, way. Is,
2: she is all. She is all of the above, Jan. And thank you for the call. You're 100 percent correct. That's what she does. Uh, Schumer and the rest of them as well. They the president can do nothing right. Look, they could sit, they could sit there and stare at a cup, you know, the old glass half-full, glass empty, you see, see a glass of water that is at the halfway line. And if President Trump says half-full, they will scream at him and call him an idiot and tell him it is half-empty. And if the president says that's half-empty, they'll say, what the heck is the matter with you? This president doesn't know anything. That is clearly half-full. That's what they will do. No matter what he says or does, it will be wrong. And that's why we have to stop listening to them. And that's why the media has to stop glorifying their Democratic overlords by by proclaiming all of their, their, their messages to the masses, no matter how irresponsible or inaccurate they may be. Much more on the politics of the coronavirus and the politics of Super Tuesday tomorrow coming up and more calls right after this as well on AM 1420 The Answer. 9.35, onward and upward on AM 1420, the answer. Coming up in about a half an hour, we are going to uh, grab a conversation that we were hoping to get on Friday. Some scheduling snafus prevented it, but we're going to talk this time, I'm almost certain, with uh, Representative Jenna Powell. She is an Ohio State representative from uh, Dark County, not Stark, Dark County. And, uh, she's, uh, one of the co sponsors of the Save Women's Sports Act that we talked about at the end of last week. It's been introduced, uh, was introduced last Wednesday formally, uh, as an attempt to save women's sports from being overtaken by males, um, who are using the transgender rules to, uh, come over into women's sports and dominate them. So it's a really important deal for a lot of people. And, uh, we're looking for, those of us who support this type of legislation in Ohio and beyond, we're looking for uh, the protection of women as being women and girls and not forcing them to compete against biological males, all because of the quote-unquote inclusion or inclus- inclusive movement that really doesn't include, it excludes actual girls from their own competitions. So we'll talk to her about that coming up at 1010. Let me get this call from Andy in Cleveland before I share with you some more important information about coronavirus and the politics thereof. Andy, go right ahead. You're on the air.
3: Hey, Bob. How are you doing today?
2: Good, Andy. What's on your mind?
3: So I have a company that um, does, actually we've talked before, once before, that Mm -hmm. does concealed carry classes with um, large big box stores. And we're in about 203 locations. And some of my questions are, and, and I, I also had another question about travel, but mm-hmm. um, how do I protect my team and uh, my students uh, in a safe, sane, and, and responsible manner uh, for those types of situations where we have you know, 20 to 50 students in each class? Um, that's the first one, and the second one is about travel in planes.
2: Well, well hold on. Me, let me area. make sure I understand you. You're you're asking how to protect your students in your classes, in your your concealed carry classes, from what? From infectious diseases. Yes. Okay. I you know I can speak to that a little bit after you ask the other question. What do you have?
3: Sure. The the other questions are um, travel in planes because mm-hmm. we have people who travel in planes, mm-hmm. and also what to do with like state you know the state of Washington, which has declared a state of emergency. Um, you know, sort of. A, I call that. I that raises my. You know, that's a higher threat level uh, than a, a state that has not. So those are the, right. those are the basics.
2: Okay. Well, I, uh, Andy, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. I'll I'll do my best to kind of give you some of the answers from the experts. Okay. Uh, as it pertains to the state of emergency, do not delude yourself into thinking that it is all medically or health driven. Uh, San Francisco declared a state of emergency the first time somebody in Northern California uh, was diagnosed with the virus. Excuse me, not died from it, just diagnosed with it. They declared a state of emergency, and do not think again that these very highly liberal portions of the country, Northern California, San Francisco, for example, Seattle, Washington, where these things are going on, don't think that there isn't some element of politics to that. Um, They want to declare a state of emergency because it scares people. And they will then say, well, my God, we have these emergencies. What is the president? What are the feds doing about it? And if somebody dies, oh, my gosh, they're doing nothing about it. And and that's there's a big part of that now to the part about how sh- can you prevent it from spreading or how do you keep your people safe in your CCW classes or on airplanes or anything else? I want to share this with you. It's it's somewhat uh, lengthy, but I think it's worth it. I read every word of this yesterday to my wife because she, of course, you know, and it, where she works, it, everybody is concerned. Okay, what can we do? What do we really need to be aware of, et cetera? Um, people should. This is from the Akron Beacon Journal. Yesterday, uh, no correction, Saturday. People should be concerned, but not panicked about the novel coronavirus and its spread, said an Akron physician who chairs the, l- listen to this. This isn't just some local, you know, doctor who just has some opinions. He chairs the National Organization of Infectious Disease Doctors. Dr. Thomas File. He's the chair of the Infectious Disease Division for Summa Health. He's also the president of the Infectious Diseases, Diseases Society of America. As head of that organization, he's one of 12 physicians who consult weekly with the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and is also in touch with other infectious disease doctors worldwide, including doctors in China. Now, I want you to really soak those credentials in. This isn't just some local doctor offering an opinion. This is a guy in the middle of all of this. All right? So when he speaks, you and we should listen. He spoke with the Beacon Journal to answer all the questions that the journalists could come up with about the coronavirus and what people should be doing to protect themselves. And so this answer is kind of to you, Andy, about your classes and flying and everything else. First question, how worried should people be as the coronavirus, also known as the COVID-19 or novel coronavirus, continues to spread? Answer, I think people are freaking out too much. I think there's unnecessary hysteria when people are wearing masks, and it's not necessary. Right now, we are much more concerned about the flu than the coronavirus. It's obviously something to be concerned about, but there is no need to panic. Question. There have been other coronaviruses. What's different about this one? Answer. Other coronaviruses have been circulating for years and are associated most commonly with the common cold. The novel coronavirus 2019 is genetically different, which means no one is immune to it and therefore hasn't developed uh, antibodies against it. Everybody is potentially at risk for developing infection, some of which can be severe. However, the data from data we have so far, and again, this is a day old, so this is current. This infectious disease specialist in the United States says that from the data we have thus far, overall there is about a two to two and a half percent mortality rate, and I think that's an overestimate. What is and let me just step away from the his comments for a moment and point out the obvious. Let's just do that math. If two to two and a half percent of the people who contract coronavirus uh, are are you know who die from it. That means ninety-seven and a half to ninety-eight percent of the people who get the disease do not die. They live. It's just a, a disease like you get from so many others. And then you get healthy and it, it goes away. It is not that severe in terms of mortality rate. Back to exactly what the doctor said as I quote What is difficult with this strain is it appears people can have it, not be sick with it, and potentially transmit it. So, again, a lot of people get it, don't even know it, because they don't even have any symptoms. But they pass it on to somebody else. Question. What are the symptoms, and how are they similar or different from the flu? Answer. It's more similar than it's different. From the flu, from the standpoint of how it's transmitted, we haven't completely understood the whole spectrum of the disease, but most patients will present with a fever, cough, muscle aches, or a headache. Classic influenza presentation. Question. So what should someone do if they have flu-like symptoms? Answer. Call your physician. Our society is recommending that if the patient has flu-like symptoms, that the provider prescribe the antiviral medication without even coming to the office to be tested. We have such a high level of activity for influenza that you don't even need to be tested. The physician should then ask, you question, should ask questions of the patient. If there are any indications the patient has been exposed to the coronavirus, they'll then want to refer the patients to the infection control or health department and have the patient wear a mask right away. Question. Masks are flying off store shelves. Are they effective? Answer. Masks are not effective for preventing someone from getting the coronavirus and should be saved for healthcare workers or patients who have the coronavirus to, pro- to reduce the spread when they cough or sneeze. Masks also need to be fit appropriately. You really can't go to the drugstore and buy these things and know how to use them appropriately. Question. What prevention steps should people take? And Andy, this is kind of where you were saying, what should we do in my classes or on airplanes, et cetera? Answer It's still not too late to get the flu shot. We're in the middle of a very active influenza season, and it is usually active through April. Wash your hands a lot of respiratory infections are spread on the hands. Wash your hands frequently or use alcohol-based sanitizers. After a sneeze, some other coronaviruses have stayed on hard surfaces, like desktops and doorknobs, and can stay active for hours. We don't know if this happens with the novel coronavirus. A precaution, though, is to use alcohol or bleach or any other bleach or detergent or antiviral topical to wipe down doorknobs and tabletops. So I'm going to pause there and say this. Again, if you're eating in public, tabletops, right? Counters at fast food restaurants or even regular restaurants or whatever. Um, Make sure that you can either have some wipes with you, and you can wipe those things down, or after touching these things, make sure that you are cleaning your hands. Doorknobs at work, keyboards if it's a a multi-user computer station, all of these kinds of things. If somebody with coronavirus sneezes on it, there is a chance that it could survive the germs on hard surfaces. So clean these things down regularly and keep your hands clean, especially before touching your face, touching your eyes, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, you can Contract the disease through your eyes, not just through your nose and mouth. All right, back to the exact, I want to give you his exact words here. I'm also offering some additional commentary, but work with me here. Question of the, and if you just turn the radio on, who's answering these questions? I want you to apologize for the redundancy for those who are listening. Dr. Thomas File is the president of the Infectious Diseases Society of America. He is one of 12 doctors who consult weekly with the CDC. And is also in touch with other infectious disease doctors like him in uh, foreign countries, including doctors in China. He is just about one of the foremost experts in the country, if not the world, on infectious diseases and the coronavirus. Um, Question. Do you need a specific type of soap or antibacterial soap? It doesn't matter, is the answer. Obviously, just soap and water is good enough. It's the sudsing of soap and water that gets rid of the microorganisms on the hands. Question. Should I worry about traveling internationally or even within the US if other travelers are coming from around the world and may have been exposed? Answer You are more likely, much more likely, to get influenza than coronavirus by flying. Within the United States, if you're not worried about getting influenza and flying, you should not be worried about coronavirus and flying. I would follow the CDC recommendations and not fly to the international destinations on the list. And those include Italy, South Korea, Iran was already there, China, and a couple of others. Question. Should I delay my future travel plans depending on where else this spreads? Answer. All I can tell you is to follow the CDC recommendations. I'll be more personal, says the doctor. I have an infectious disease meeting in the middle of April in Paris. That's only six weeks away. France has 18 cases right now. I am monitoring it very closely. And if they, have, if they start having sustained transmission, meaning cases that spread from one person to another, I'm probably not going. But if it doesn't change, I will be going. So, again, it's a matter of common sense. Where are you headed? What is the condition of the disease in that location? Question. Some are using the Spanish flu of 1918 as a parallel to this coronavirus. That flu, which had no vaccine at the time, showed up in the spring, went away in the summer, and came back with a vengeance in the fall. What do you think? Answer. The mortality rate for the Spanish flu was 2 to 4%. I think the coronavirus is going to be less than that. In 1918 and 19, you've also got to remember there's a world war going on and less access to medical care. It could be a fair parallel, but we don't know that for sure. Question, have patients who have other ailments like asthma or weaker immune systems or older patients been more susceptible? Answer, yes. It is more possible for them to get sick. The data we are getting from China is patients who have more serious diseases or are older and have underlying conditions are worse off. So let's make sure you understand what he just said there. If you are an average age person, meaning you're not very old and – To our seniors, this is just reality. But if you're not older or not a senior, and if you're not in ill health as it stands, as it starts from the beginning, like asthma or other conditions, even if you get coronavirus, the mortality rate is so low, you're going to shake it off, like you do with flu and most other things. Just like the flu generally is more dangerous for the very young and the very old, the coronavirus is the same way. Question. I heard a report that children are not as likely to get the coronavirus. Is this true and why? Answer: That's a true observation. And I can't really tell you the answer why. Of the patients we are treating, uh, testing po- who are testing positive rather for the coronavirus, children are a very small proportion. Question: do chances of survival increase in countries that have better access to health care when someone gets sick? Answer, yes, that happened with Ebola. Even before there was an effective vaccine, the more intensive care that was provided for supportive care could be associated with the better outcomes. Only two more, I think. Yeah, two more. Um, at what point should health officials decide to close schools or tell people not to go to work? And could, be, uh, could that be seen as a false panic if done too soon? Answer, that's a good point and really depends on the extent of the virus that's circulating within specific communities. It will depend upon absenteeism and what percentage of people in populations are infected. We know by going, doing social distancing and closing of schools and canceling math gatherings, it would help to reduce transmission when there's a certain threshold of infection within a community, even with things such as influenza. And we all know this, right? Schools and businesses have been closed due to the flu. It's not uncommon, and it shouldn't freak you out if they do it for corona. Finally, actually, no, I I lied before. Here are two more. Can you explain the following terms? Endemic, global outbreak, epidemic, and pandemic. Endemic means it stays within a community. Uh, like seasonal influenza we get every year. We have a global outbreak now because it spread globally. An epidemic is a high level of activity in one particular area of the world. A pandemic is when you have large activities in other continents and sustained transmission from person to person. We now have coronavirus cases on every continent but Antarctica. I do anticipate they, this will eventually be declared as a pandemic. We will wait and see. The last pandemic was 2009, H1N1. And finally, are you more worried about this virus than others in the past? And the doctor, the specialist, the president of the um, uh, National, or I'm sorry, the Infectious Diseases Society of America, and one of only 12 doctors who consults regularly with the CDC and with other infectious disease doctors worldwide, says the H1N1 was very easily transmitted and was a worldwide pandemic but it had a very low mortality rate, which is good. SARS had a higher mortality rate, 10%, but it was not as transmissible as this novel coronavirus. So in one aspect, it is worse because it's more transmissible than SARS, but there is a much less mortality. So it's kind of a wash. So there you go. Um, the, those, are the, those are the very best answers from, from literally kind of the best guy that you can listen to when you're talking about the president of the Infectious Diseases Society of America. Don't listen to Mike Bloomberg. Don't listen to Joe Biden. Don't listen to Chuck Todd. Don't listen to all of the other demon rats in either politics or the media trying to scare the bejesus out of you in order to try to paint Trump as incompetent in trying to deal with this. Don't let them do it. Listen to the facts and do not help spread fake news. Quick timeout. Back right after this.
1: Drop my cell phone down below.
2: All right. Very short segment here. No time for a call. So I'm just going to use this. Uh, to reinforce the point that I was making about the politics of this as it pertains not just to Democrat politicians, but to Democrat members of the media. And again, that is very redundant, I know, because they are one and the same. But Chuck Todd, one of the most reprehensible human beings in mainstream media, Chuck Todd yesterday had the vice on Meet the Press had the vice president of the United States, who is in charge of coordinating this team of CDC experts, health and human services experts, et cetera, et cetera, infectious disease experts. He had Mike Pence on the program yesterday, and had this exchange about the politics of the coronavirus, rather than acknowledging the Democrats' scoring of political points by trying to condemn Trump's response to coronavirus. He attacks the president's supporters who have called out the Democrats who have been trying to do this. Listen to this reprehensible human being. You've
1: gone out of your way since you've been appointed to this to say to try to keep this from getting politicized. You have made every effort, every statement. But I want to play for you what some of your allies have said about the coronavirus. Um, Here's including the president's son and the, um, the RNC chair. Take a listen, sir.
0: The coronavirus being weaponized as yet another element to bring down Donald Trump.
5: Democrats are using this for their political gain to try and stoke fear in the American people, which is shameful, wrong, and I think un-American.
4: For them to try to take a pandemic and seemingly hope that it comes here and kills millions of people so that they could end Donald Trump's streak of winning is a new level of sickness.
1: None of this seems to match the facts what what facts are there that democrats are doing this
4: well
2: before the vice president even answers i just i want to reach across the table and just cartoon slap chuck todd back and forth across the cheeks bang 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 what facts are there that democrats are doing this how can you as the political director of nbc news and the host of meet the press ignore the mountains of audio and video evidence of Democrats from Chuck Schumer to Nancy Pelosi to candidates Biden and Bloomberg and Warren and everyone. Um, all of the condemnation they have made of Donald Trump claiming that he himself is unprepared for this and hasn't done enough to try to stop it. How you, can you be the political director of NBC News and pretend that stuff doesn't exist? Do you never look at Twitter? Chuck Todd, how can he stare at the pre- vice president of the United States and say, what facts are there that the Democrats have done this?
1: It's like people are asking questions and they're concerned about the virus. This, this implies some sort of political motivation, which is kind of gross. Yes,
2: it is gross. And it is also accurate, you political hack. My kingdom for one 10-minute segment with Chuck Todd I'm offering my kingdom. I don't really have a kingdom. But if I had a kingdom, I would give it up for one 10-minute interview with Chuck Todd. And I throw that as a challenge to Chuck Todd. I will be hosting the Hugh Hewitt Show in about two weeks on back-to-back days in the middle of March. And one of them is a Thursday. Thursday is Chuck Todd Day on the Hugh Hewitt Show. Every time I have hosted Hugh's show on a Thursday, Chuck Todd cancels his appearance. Chuck Todd, let's have this conversation. Let's discuss all of the things that you think are gross about the way that the Republicans are responding to this compared to the demon rats who wanted to literally name the virus Trump virus. Chuck Todd, the ball is in your court. The challenge has been thrown down. We'll be back after the news.